to On The Mic Podcast. This is your host, Tim Drake. On today's episode, I have writer, comedian, and storyteller, Caroline Weiss. Caroline has an incredible new show coming up this week over at the Nerdist showroom at Meltdown called Crazy Dates I've Met on the Internet. I am so excited for this show. It's a storytelling show where Caroline and her co-host have put together four great storytellers and they're also going to bring up one surprise guest from the audience to tell their story about a crazy date they have met on the internet. I absolutely loved the premise of the show from the moment Caroline told me about it. Uh, Caroline and I actually worked together over at the Nerdist showroom. And yeah, as soon as she told me you know, this was the show she was developing, I was so excited to see it come to life. I cannot wait to see it this Tuesday. And yeah, I kind of wanted to learn a little bit more about it. Caroline has such an interesting background, such a cool story, uh, that I decided I wanted to have her on the podcast so we could share all of that with you. And yeah, she did not disappoint. It was so much fun sitting down with her. Uh, it kind of crept up on us. We talked about uh, doing the podcast a little over a month ago. And while I've been writing the sketch show, Caroline's just been busy as can be. Uh, dawned on us last week when we were working a show that, holy shit, like it's coming up next week. We need to squeeze this in. And I, I didn't want to, you know, not do it any justice and, and do it, you know, for an upcoming show. You know, this is her debut show, so I wanted to have her on, you know, right away. Um, luckily, we were able to get this taken care of. We actually just recorded just a couple of hours ago. Uh, Caroline just lives right down the street from me, so it was easy just to walk on over, uh, sat down, chatted. And yeah, it was, it was a really great time. I think you guys will have a lot of fun with this episode. And yeah, please come out and see her show uh, this Tuesday night over at the Nerdist Show Meltdown on Sunset. Uh, tickets are still on sale. They are going quick, so please get on and buy those. I believe it's $8 in advance, $10 at the door. Um, and you can get those at nerdmeltla.com. Uh, so get on now and pick those up. Uh, speaking of shows over at the Nerdist Showroom, uh, Austin and I have uh, the Best Picture Sketch Show coming up March 1st. Uh, some of the lineup has now been announced. So we have Caitlin Durante, Brooke Tranter, Mateen Stewart, Alex Watson, James Simmons, and Barbara Gray uh, from Lady to Lady is going to be opening the show with stand-up. Uh, there'll probably still be a few more guests to be announced, uh, but that is the lineup so far. We are so incredibly excited about this. The show starts at 7 p.m., uh, so a little bit earlier of a show, but that's totally fine. You know, we, we know you can still make it there. You can brave the L.A. traffic and get there. Uh, so please come out to that. All proceeds of the show are going to the Women in Film Foundation. Uh, with so much going on uh, with the Me Too movement, Time's Up campaign, um, and also just the lack of representation uh, that a lot of women experience within film and within the entertainment industry, we wanted to be able to do something to, to help kind of give back to that. Um, and so we felt the Women in Film Foundation uh, was going to be a great cause uh, to be able to give back to. And hopefully, you know, we can sell enough tickets to give them, you know, a, a decent donation. You know, it would be kind of embarrassing to give them such a teeny donation. So please come out and help donate uh, to a great cause. Again, for that, you can also go to nerdmeltla.com um, and pick up your tickets there. Uh, same, same ticket pricing uh, as for Caroline's show. Eight dollars uh, in advance, ten dollars at the door. We really hope to see you there. It's going to be a good time, and we may have some prizes to give out. You never know. So <laughs> make sure you guys show up for that. It's going to be a lot of fun. Uh, hope you guys really enjoy this episode again. Thank you to Caroline for, for taking the time to squeeze this in uh, to her incredibly busy schedule. She's rehearsing, getting everything ready for this show. Uh, it's going to be a great time. Please come out Tuesday night. Uh, I believe her show uh, is at 9 p.m. at the Nerdist Showroom uh, over at Meltdown. Please come out to that. Get your tickets now before they are gone. Enjoy this episode with Caroline Weiss. Which one is this? Is this the... This is the H6. Okay. Okay. So much better than the... Like you've probably seen like the little handheld ones. 
which I like. I always the I one the I've seen the ones with the yes, yeah. yes, yes, yes. Yeah, I always bring it with me as a backup in case mm-hmm. anything was to go wrong. Yeah, but for the most part, it's like it it handles itself well. Mm-hmm. Yeah. <laughs> so, and I'm I'm already recording. So okay, I d- I, I just hit it and go. Yeah, so. that works. <laughs> works for me. Casual, easy. So, but I'm, I'm glad that we were able to to get this fit in like we were talking just last night and it was like wait how did this already super last minute yeah, yeah. time goes by fast yeah, because your show is three days away three days away yeah tuesday yeah, and it's tuesday night it yeah. crept up fast we talked about this like three A weeks ago, ago or so yeah yeah yeah, yeah, yeah. And, and then i started writing my show and uh-huh. <laughs> all of a sudden it was just like holy shit last month it's just flown by yeah and january is always a weird sluggish month yeah. i feel like like it just it kind of drags on yeah it's a yeah that post-holiday <laughs> blues i guess i don't know so but it, it's been fun getting to know you over the last couple of months just through through meltdown and yeah it, it was it was kind of a kind of an interesting position for me to kind of come in there and i was just like all right i have my handful of people that i know out here right right after i'd moved and now I feel like I have a whole new network and it's just like, it's, it's, it's been good. Everybody there is just fantastic. Yeah. Everybody there is really awesome. It's the, the experience at Nerdist and Meltdown has been awesome for me. It's been, um, the first, it's really been the first time in my like 15 years of living in LA that I feel like I've found a cool community of people yeah. that I can be like, it's like, all right, this is fun. Let's just do stuff. And everybody's so welcoming and supportive. And so it just makes it cool and fun again to be in like the creative industry because hollywood can get you down yeah it it, de- <laughs> it definitely can just suck the life out of you but yeah, yeah meltdown's a good revival of that because yeah. Just, yeah everybody is just so insanely supportive and it's just like yeah. oh this is what that feels like mom right. and dad yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah totally no it's definitely it's a it's nice to be in an environment where you can just be creative and there's other people to collaborate with and um, find friends, which there's that New York Times article that was floating around Facebook a couple months ago that was like, you can't make friends as an adult. You just have situations oh, with yeah. adult yeah. friends. Yeah. So it's cool. It's It's been such a surprising experience for me yeah. personally. Now, <laughs> now did you grow up in, in California? I didn't. So I, um, I was born on the East Coast. I was born in Connecticut. My parents are both from Connecticut, Massachusetts. Um, and we moved around my whole childhood when I was a kid because of my dad's job. He worked for IBM ah. uh, for a long time. I've been moved. <laughs> I know, it's very funny. It's hysterical. Um, so I, I always knew I wanted to be a writer, storyteller of some sort. I loved, I loved books and writing stories. I didn't know quite what I wanted to do with that. When we were, when I was 16, my family, my parents decided to do a Thanksgiving uh, family vacation to Los Angeles, which was very random, but they just decided to do it. And um, we were living in Houston, Texas at the time. And it was the weirdest thing. But when we, when the plane touched down, I like looked out the window and I was like, oh, I'm home. Oh my God, I want to work in the movies. And it had the thought had never struck me before because my parents were very like, oh, you'll be a doctor or something like that. And so I had never considered like Hollywood was beneath me. But <laughs> like I, having moved around so much, I had roots nowhere. I didn't have roots anywhere. And so coming to LA and just feeling instantly home and knowing this is what I wanted to do, I 
uh, ended up going to USC, and so I came out here when I was 19, and I've been here ever since. That's awesome. Yeah. I, I think I think it's interesting when when you recognize that at a young age, because mm-hmm. that's kind of how it was for me as well. My family used to come out here. We would come out to Disneyland all the time, and then it okay. just became a regular, like every year for New Year's, we were out here. Mm-hmm. And it just started to feel very kind of home to me in a way. Mm-hmm. And then there was a long period where I, I wasn't out here. Yeah. But then the more and more I started to come back for different things with comedy or with the podcast, mm-hmm. it just started to feel that very natural. It was like, yep, yeah, this is what I have to do. Yeah. Like, yeah. I, I, I don't have another choice, I don't feel like. <laughs> yeah. No, I actually, so I ended up going, I went to USC and I always wanted to do features and ended up in reality development for the first five years of my career. And then uh, last year was like the first year that I was like, I'm taking a year off of all of this. I left my job. I was working in book development. And it was the first time I left LA in almost 15 years. And I, and I left for six months. And I was like, I don't know if I'll go back because it had just gotten so, LA can get hard, you know? Yeah, it's overwhelming. Yeah, it's <laughs> tough. And the business was tough. And you know, when your career isn't going where you think you it should be going. Um, and so then co- when I came back last summer and found Nerdist, it was it was such a cool thing. It was like, oh, this is where I've been, I'm supposed to be. So, so when you were at USC, was it was it film school that you were in or were you going for writing? So I was actually a poli-sci major and I was okay. a cinema minor. And I worked for um, one of the producers of Mr. and Mrs. Smith my last two years at USC. Oh, nice. As... Um, basically his unpaid second assistant (laughs) um and so I yeah I was kind of learning on the job and then when I graduated couldn't really find a job (laughs) in features (laughs) and I ended up finding a job in um yeah working in reality development so so what, what, what does reality development really include um, so that's anything that is alternative television programming. So typical so, reality yeah, shows, just the Real and competitions. And those, okay. Yeah, so competition shows, docu series, all that stuff on Discovery Channel, sci-fi stuff like that. So everything that isn't traditional scripted television is what we were working on. And I had a fantastic boss, and we got along so well, and it was a lot of fun. And we were. The cool thing about reality is that it moves really quickly. Right. And so we were selling a lot of stuff and seeing it on air. And um, I was just having a really good time. And it was a boom time for reality. It was like 2006, 7, 8, 9. Um, and so it was great. And I was doing that for a few years and working at great companies with really good people. Um, and then in my late 20s, I, was, I realized I hadn't written anything in years, which was all I did as a kid. And I was feeling kind of conflicted about reality. I was working at a company that was not as great as my other companies. Um, and it was just kind of making me think, like, what am, I, what am I doing? I'm not, I came out here to write. I'm not writing, and I don't like this anymore. And, um, yeah, so I kind of pivoted, as they say. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> and uh, took a year off. Or, well, I didn't take a year off. I got a bunch of part-time jobs and focused on writing and, um, didn't really do the part-time job starving artist thing too well. <laughs> and then this, um, this opportunity to run the LA office for a big publishing company came up and I thought that would help me bridge the gap between reality television and kind of the scripted TV and features world. Um, yeah, so I did that for f- a little bit over four years and, um, 
you know, it was a big company and big companies go through a lot of changes. And so it was just, it came time for me to move on. And yeah, and then I took last year off and here I am. Well, I didn't take so, it off. Yeah. I've been writing and working and that kind of thing. Yeah. So, and sometimes it can be, it can be hard though to, to have to take that risk on yourself and to be able to be totally. like, all right, I, I, I have to be able to take, take a chance on myself and be able to follow the passion why I'm here. Absolutely. Well, and that was the thing that was ultimately the same thing that pushed me out of reality television was the same thing that pushed me out of my last job, which was just like, this isn't, this isn't fulfilling me in the way I, gosh, it sounds so selfish and entitled, but like in the way that I feel like I should be fulfilled, you know, I don't have a family. I don't, or kids, I don't have kids and I don't have, you know, I'm, I have my cat, my beautiful cats, but, um, like my job, I want it to really, I want to be passionate about it. I want to really enjoy what I'm doing every day. Right. So when that kind of goes away, um, yeah, I take a leap of faith and yeah. <laughs> hope the road rises to meet me. And I think so far it has. Yeah. Knock I, on wood. <laughs> I, I mean, I mean from, for the little bit that I've grown to know over the last little bit, I've definitely said it, it is going the right, the right direction. And well, thank you. It, it isn't until you take that, that leap of faith to be able to be like, all right, I actually can. I can do this. So. Yeah, yeah. You can patch it together with, you know, freelance work and figuring things out and being fortunate. And yeah. yeah so. How, how has your family kind of grasped a hold of you following your... I mean, <laughs> you, you mentioned, you know, they kind of wanted you to go down the path of like doctor or something. Mm -hmm. like, and I mean, my family was very much the same way. I mean, even now I've got one brother in med school, one in dental school. Mm -hmm. My sister, well, she's about to have a baby any day, but she yeah. was... She was going into, uh, I can't remember what side of the medical field. Okay. And then there's me, who's the black sheep. And right. I make dick jokes on stage. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, you know, my, par my, my parents have always been very supportive of my career choices. I think they, um, you know, they want me to be secure. And right. They, and they, they want... They, they want, want the safety. Sure. They want you to be safe. I, I think... Um, <laughs> They've they've been so they've been support they're supportive of me as an artist. I mean, my mom's even coming out for the show. Yeah. Um, but you know, it's we're we're very different people. You say black sheep. I feel like kind of the black sheep of my family. We're we're very we're very different. My parents and I are very different. So um, it's but it's also you know we've had very different life experiences. Right. Um, grown up in very different times and. Um, so, but yeah, overall, I mean, they're, they, I think they are, um, they, they regularly tell me they are impressed by what I've done with my life and like, you know, so that's always, <laughs> that's a good, that's a good feeling. Yeah. It's, it's nice, but I, I, sometimes when I get that from my parents, we're impressed with what I think we're, yeah. I'm always like, you're just surprised I'm not dead. That's <laughs> right. What, yeah. That's what yeah. I take it <laughs> that, that is, you're saying. Yes, that is the subtext. <laughs> yes, 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 yes. It is. <laughs> I think you're right. Yeah. You know, and my, my dad, my parents are very kind of old school. My dad has a very traditional sort of business suit, briefcase job yeah. and um, the corporate world and climbing the corporate ladder and um, you know, my mom has always, um, she stayed at home with us and, and she has, you know, she volunteers a lot now that we're all out of the house and that kind of thing. So she keep kind of fills her day, but, yeah. um, see my mom's almost nuts. Life. Like now that all of us are out of the house, she's mm -hmm. decided to become a personal trainer and I'm just oh, like, wow, okay. that's impressive. <laughs> that's really impressive. Yeah. That's cool. That's really cool. 
Um, yeah, so my I'm the oldest of four kids. My two sisters are both nurses. Um, and then my brother works for, um, he works in the construction industry in Austin, Texas, or in building and real estate and that kind of thing. So, so they all kind of went the, the more practical route as well. Yes, they did. <laughs> yes, they did. My sisters, you know, in a way, I'm very, I'm very envious of my sisters because having a... Um, a skill like that that or a trade that you can just kind of like call upon right. when you need to use it in sort of like the the downtimes of not working full-time nine-to-five jobs yeah. um yeah it's weird you know i like the stability i like stability and i like health insurance you know i have a lot of i have back issues and um but I prefer, I'm a creative person. I prefer sort of not being boxed in right. to an office and a nine to five. And it yeah. just wasn't, I, and I see now too, having been out of that world for so, for over a year, how the, that putting on that like mask and being that inauthentic self was just destroying me. That, that like conflict between who I really was and wanted to be and what I felt I had to be. They were just so at odds. And so now I'm just kind of like, whatever, you know, whatever happens, happens. And it's fine. Yeah. It's, I'm having a good time. It, it, it's a weird, it's a weird point to, to recognize. I, I know when I was, when I was going through college and in, in business school, before I transitioned to film and mm-hmm. to comedy and I, I'd even planned like with a business degree, I'm going to do something in entertainment. Like that's, right. that's what right. I want, but I'll never forget. And I know I've mentioned it on here before reaching the point where I was just like, if I had to go to an office nine to five, I'd kill myself. Yeah. Like, I just started to realize I, I can't do this. And yeah. a shirt and tie and like, oh, yeah. it just sounds, it sounds like the worst thing in the entire world to me. I know. Well, and the thing that's interesting is I actually, I, I when I left my last job, I was like, I'll never go back to development. Now I'm in a place where... If it could be a development situation, like my early reality situation, I'm at a place where I, I feel so happy with what I'm doing outside of, you know, with the show and, and being at Nerdist and comedy and trying stand up and that kind of thing. Um, I'd be happy to go back to development. I had so much fun those for early years with my old boss, Eli Frankel. Like he, we just had such a good time and it was so fun being creative and selling shows. Every day I would be like, I can't believe this, I'm getting paid to do this. Right. So in that regard, I could I can handle that kind of nine to five. My last nine to five had much more traditional officey type mm-hmm. things to it. It was a lot less creative, and I just that kills me. I have to be creative. I have to be able to be expressive and find stories and right. tell people's stories. And I mean, yeah, that's just it, exciting. it doesn't feel like a regular nine to five when it's exactly. something that you love and it is totally. something that you're building, and it's different every single day. Completely, yeah. So that, yeah. that's I think the thing that's the greatest with in entertainment is it's like, mm-hmm. yeah, there's still, it still is a business. It still has its work yes. hours. Yeah. But yeah, I mean, every single mm-hmm. day, uh, you know, I mean, even at meltdown, we never know what the hell's going to happen where, yeah. whether it's a celebrity having a meltdown or, <laughs> oh. yeah, <laughs> or, or something, you know, you know, the amount of people that we just have randomly show up. Yeah, absolutely. So, and, and I mean, all of us kind of stand back as we're getting people into the show and just being like, oh, that mm-hmm. person's just randomly here. Yeah. So, I mean, no, just last cool. night we had Regina King that just mm-hmm. was randomly there for the show. Yeah. And, which I've never had a guest come in where I kind of want to go up and be like, what's your skincare procedure? <laughs> because she's almost 50 and looks amazing. Yeah, yeah. Like, I, I was 
jealous. I was like, I thought you were like my age. Oh gosh, that's <laughs> funny. Yeah, yeah. No, it is. It's cool. It's um, it, we're we're so. That's what I think bums me out about a lot of like a lot of like the exec the executive side of of a lot of Hollywood is because it's like this is so you know everybody knows those stories of abusive bosses and yeah. screamers and crazy people and all those insane stories and it bums me out because I'm like we're what we get to do is so fun it's so amazing it's such a privilege it's so cool like yeah. this is the most we're not in Iowa selling insurance and <laughs> you know like apologies to the people in Iowa but like it's people in Iowa are probably like, nah, you're right. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> but, you know, it's just, I feel like this is, inc- I mean, we live in the greatest city. We get to be creative. We get to d- put stuff on TV. Like, I understand there's a lot of money at stake, but it's just so amazing, you know? So it's, it's, I feel very, very lucky. I really, really do. It doesn't feel real. So, like, even no. this morning, I was over at Universal briefly, mm-hmm. and, like, I have an annual passer, so I go all the time anyway. Yeah. But, like, to be actually driving around on like the lower lot and just being like it feels weird to be on this side of yeah of the gates instead of like being on the tram to be like oh look at the people on that side of the gate like yeah yeah (laughs) yeah yeah it it was a little weird and but it is it's it's incredible that i mean you take a risk on yourself and you get these opportunities where Mm -hmm. it's just like oh like i'm putting up a show i'm doing this and definitely and then to see your name in those credits sometimes too it's just like yeah i I did that. I'm I'm on TV. Yeah. No, it's it's really it's amazing. It's a it's I don't know. I just think it's really cool. I feel it's funny because there are I definitely have my cynical things yeah. about me as, with regard to the industry and being, you know, oh, I can't do you, you, it you or can't, whatever. You can't not have that. You can't not no, and especially <laughs> as a woman, and especially after how long I you know, but um, there's a this the the like the optimistic hopeful excited side of me never seems to completely die which i feel very happy yeah. <laughs> and grateful for <laughs> um so yeah i mean there's just the possibility for constant reinvention like it just is so that's a that's a cool thing that's a good thing moving around as a kid all the time i for the longest time i was like that's why i'm so socially awkward cuz i never had to make friends i was always the new kid i was bullied a lot but at the end of every move, my dad would say to me, well, care, there ends another chapter of your life. And so it was like that sort of, because for a couple of years, it was like every 18 months we were moving. So that, oh, wow. yeah, like that, that also instilled in me the sense of like, you never know what's around the corner. Anything can happen. And even when you're at your lowest, like, I mean, just last month I met, I ran into very bizarrely through my co-host Lachelle a producer that I had met like seven or eight years ago over this, the first script that I wrote when I left reality television. And she had randomly like just asked someone what ended up happening with that script, which was nothing ended up happening with it. And so now it's like eight years later, we're like talking about it again. So it's like, you just never know what can happen. I mean, that's, that's so cool. And this industry allows that because it's, you're always being, churned and spat up and then brought back down and you know we're all yeah. in a food processor and, and as long as you're not a dick to people they they yeah. are yeah. willing to to work yeah. with you and they remember you for the right reasons yeah instead of, yeah yeah and instead of just being an asshole and yeah it's Although refreshing the assholes <laughs> find work too somehow so that's true somehow yeah. they they do rise to the top yes, as well <laughs> i know oh, yeah so. so i find it interesting though that 
you mentioned that you uh, you were studying political science. There's mm-hmm. so many people I talk to yeah. because when when I was in business school, I was minoring in political science. Oh, okay. And so many different comics. I know, like when David Keckner was on the podcast, he went to school for political science before going oh, to comedy. And I think it's funny how many people started going down that path only to divert towards comedy and entertainment mm-hmm. and then like you, i mean you see the current political climate where so often they're like tell these elites in hollywood to shut up and right. stop trying to talk about politics it's like actually a lot of us have a pretty high understanding of we've literally gone to school for it unlike some people leading the right country. <laughs> i know yeah well it's it's interesting because i full disclosure i didn't get into usc film school i only got accepted to the minor program but i so i would have gone to film school they didn't let me um but i also have always been very interested in that i did my freshman year of of uh college at university of st andrews in scotland i deferred enrollment to usc for a year um to see to test myself if i really wanted hollywood right because i had this feeling deep down if i moved to la i would never leave and i wanted i my family was living overseas at the time i wanted an abroad experience i love i've always loved to travel um and so i was studying political science and stuff over there and and then just did it over here um but yeah it's interesting because so i grew up in a um republican household but um so I use I kind of grew up with the mindset of like these stupid celebrities shut up, which is so silly because of course, Saint Ronald Reagan yeah. is an actor. <laughs> um, but uh, you know, the more I thought about it, and the more as I got old, the more the older I got, and developed your thinking gets. Um, you know, if you have a platform to reach people and you believe in something, why not use it? Like, what's, yeah, exactly. That's that's the most honorable thing you can do with with having a voice and a platform and and so that i i think you know we may not always agree with whoever it is speaking out but um yeah and you're right a lot of it's weird because plenty of us have actual educational backgrounds yeah and 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 we still continue to study to study it's beyond fascinating to me like i'll never stop Absolutely. I'll never stop yes. doing it. Oh, my God. Okay, you know that Russian bookstore right next to um, Meltdown? Yeah. So I there's a dollar thing, a dollar book table out there. Yeah, and I, just, I, I see that all the time. Okay, I picked this up the other day, Red Carpet, The Connection Between the Kremlin and America's Most Powerful bu- Businessman. Interesting. Armin Hammer, Avril Harriman, Cyrus Eaton, David Rockefeller, Donald Kendall. All of them, except for Cyrus Eaton because he was dead, were interviewed for this book. And it's all about the Cold War rich capitalists in america and their connections working with making money with the kremlin and the the communists in russia so it's like what the you know it's yeah. insane it's yeah yeah i i always go down that rabbit hole like i was just at the at the last bookstore the other day oh i love that downtown, place yeah yeah, yeah yeah it was one of those where i was just like i need to leave or i'm gonna spend way too much money i know here. thank god it was <laughs> it was a dollar yeah yeah and all the other books in there were in Russian, so they were useless to me. <laughs> so, yeah. But, no, I know. it's Well, and that's the thing is that there is objective, to a certain degree, there is objective truth out there. And there are facts out there, and all this stuff is available, and the internet is an amazing thing for the, in that regard. Right. Do you know what I mean? So I think there's, I feel like there's no excuse for people not to be educated about it and there's no excuse i mean there's it's i think it's perfectly valid for 
celebrities and people in the entertainment industry to speak up about. Yeah. That's what they should be using. Yeah, any, anybody that has a platform, regardless of whether we agree with their particular stance, mm-hmm. y- when you talk to people that don't have a platform, one of the things they always say is, oh, well, you know, I'm, I'm, just, I'm just me. I don't have anywhere that I can go with that. And then it's like, oh, well, here's somebody who does. Oh, but they, they need to sit down and shut up, though. Exactly, and it's like, yeah. But they have the platform that you said you would do this Dude, if you yeah, had if that you had. platform. Mm-hmm. And so it's like, so... So, so what is it? And yeah. I, I think people like to, they like to say what they would do, but since it's their safe place is sitting behind the computer screen or something that that's, they like to just say it. And that's I think why we have such a stalemate in American politics, mm-hmm. like aside from just how divisive it's become where instead of bipartisanship, I mean, they're probably, there's probably a greater divide now than there's ever been. Yeah, definitely. And I, I, I think some of that is the fact that w- we do just bark so much instead of looking at resolve and actually wanting to f- fix a, a broken system. Mm-hmm. And people just want to sit back and be like, nope, these are our party talking points and we will stick to those if we stray from them. And it, it just gets frustrating to watch. But then it's like, no, I want that platform so that I can try and somehow make a difference with it and, and see what can what can make things change. I mean, just the reaction people had to Oprah at the Golden Globes. Mm-hmm. It's like, that was an incredible reaction. But at the same time, it's like, all right, people, let's simmer a little. It's like, I joked about it. And people jumped on me immediately. It's like, hey, hey, comedian here. Yeah. Like, I'm not. <laughs> yeah. Well, and I think, too, with, with regard to people who don't have a platform telling those who do to be quiet, I really feel like in many instances there's a great piece of what's motivating that is jealousy. Yeah. And there's a lot of there's a lot of jealousy that's been exploited. I think there's a lot of that's been exploited by things like Fox, Fox news and certain leaders and, and that kind of thing. And, and pitting classes and class divide and, you know, races against each other. Um, and yeah, I mean, it's, it's, it's hard. People don't, people aren't flexible. People don't allow for any kind of nuance um conversation is just so inflammatory there i mean it's it's really it's disappointing and it and it's sad because um yeah i mean it's just sad because it's like you know we're all gonna die let's just fucking enjoy it you know exactly (laughs) god just everybody needs to smoke some pot (laughs) that's my prescription yeah (laughs) <laughs> it's it is so true so all of those guys that are anti-pot i'm like you just haven't tried it yeah like, i know try a little yeah. and then get back Relax. to me in yeah. six hours after you have some doritos as I know. well yeah and, uh, yeah you'll, you'll you'll be singing a different tune it's fine yeah no i mean it's really it's just um can you imagine jeff sessions on on weed though my god i don't <laughs> even know i don't even know well what's funny is that what would be amazing because the first few times i smoked pot i didn't it had no effect on me it took a while and it would be amazing if he tried it and had no effect and was like, oh, hmm. <laughs> I'm a fucking moron. But that would never happen. Yeah. That's the other thing. People are, I think a lot of people are, um, I, okay, I used to be in college Republicans. I'm very sorry, okay? Um, but I think a lot of people, and the, cons- the Republican Party has just gone off the rails, especially since the Tea Party yeah. days. And I think there's a lot of people who are quite appalled and quite, horrified by what's happened but are 
you know, like afraid to admit they were wrong or afraid to be like, okay, we made a mistake, da da da. You know, it's just it's always very and the, and so then that that fuels like defensiveness, which mm-hmm. then kind of heightens arguments and makes things it, it makes it so people just retreat back to their corner. Yeah, totally. And it, it shuts down the opportunity for constructive conversation. Right. And then yeah, like the war over truth and facts and I mean that's that's if nothing else, I think that's probably one of our biggest yeah. threats as a what what I would say to any staunch species. Republican at this point though is there's a documentary on Netflix that's called Get Me Roger Stone. Now any oh. staunch Republican knows who Roger Stone is. Mm-hmm. So he's been a divisive member of the party since Watergate. Mm-hmm. Like he he loved that he was part of Watergate. Like where people's entire political careers were destroyed. Yeah. It was a bragging point for right. him. And that's the type of person that he is. He's just a vindictive asshole. Mm-hmm. And he's proud of that. Mm-hmm. And where so many documentaries, they, they shift their position to tell their point of view. This one didn't really have to do that. Mm-hmm. Like, I mean, to, to the degree that they, the very last lines of the film, as they say to him, a lot of people are going to hate you once they see this. Mm-hmm. How, how do you feel about that? And he just said, good, I rival in, or I, I revel in their hatred. Yeah. Like, they didn't even have to slant it, but half of it, and like Paul Manafort's in it, it's a lot about how they helped get Trump elected. Okay. And they that. are just so proud yeah. about the way that they have fucked everybody over. And they don't, like, they're outright bragging about the stuff that they have done. Yeah. Like, to the degree where they're like, yeah, we've done everything short of breaking the law, which, of course, we've seen that's not right. even true. Yeah. But... <laughs> It, it's just insane to me where it's just like if anybody that is a staunch Republican can watch that and then still sit back and say, nope, we're in the right. Mm-hmm. Like you should probably be medicated because they're outright telling you we lied to you yeah. to get you riled up. Yeah. And like I was just so blown away. It's like it, it felt relieving to me because like I'm not crazy. Right. Because like, sometimes we reach that point where it's like. Well, yeah, we, we I mean, know this stuff. Like, are we going crazy with all of this? Like, how I do know. we think this? It's it is it is it is insane. I mean, there's an, there's another one on Netflix. It's the production value is, is low, but it's um. She did a very good job. I can't. It's called like the brainwashing of my father. I think it's something. Oh yeah, yeah. I, and oh, it's I about can't remember exactly what it's called. I know what you're talking about. Yeah, it's about Fox News, and and she does a because her dad starts watching it a lot when he gets retired, and he turns into this crazy hateful person, and then, um, so it, she's she can't believe it, and so she it prompts her to go on this investigation about Fox and and its uh, impact and its methods and um, all of that. I mean, the Roger Ailes history and biography and all the Gabriel Sherman reporting yeah. on him. I mean, it's just it's it's pretty profoundly clear um what that network is and it's very her the documentary is so interesting because spoiler um basically she sees a shift in her dad because the the mom orders a new tv and he can't use the remote and so she takes and she takes like he can't get to fox anymore (laughs) so she like removes all his access to it and then he's in the hospital for a couple weeks and so she's accessing his email and she unsubscribes him from all of his like crazy conservative like info wars and all those newsletters and over the course of like six or seven months he changes back into the dad he used to always be because he was always like a democrat and a nice guy and whatever um 
So, I mean, it's just, it's, it's sad and it's really, it's astounding the impact and it's astounding to your point about Roger Stone and these guys just not caring. Like that's what really gets me because I don't, how do you, how do you not care about other people in the rest of the world that way? And here's the thing, like I, how do you just only care about winning? Yeah, how like, do you only care about winning, and how do you only care about yourself and and money and greed? And and I, you know, I'm I like I've been a very fortunate person in my life. I like a nice life. Yeah, I'm not gonna lie, yeah, money we, is we great. Both, Everybody we likes money. We literally live in Hollywood. Like we, so we yeah, get the luxury. <laughs> but it's but but at the expense of so many others, and and how easily people are willing to dehumanize other people. I mean, I just don't. What's the point? I mean, what's the point? I don't. Yeah, I don't know. It gets me upset. I'm going to cry. But <laughs> no, it just, it's very, it's its it, its mind-blowing to me. I just don't understand how how it exists. And how we, like, so many people, you know, idolize these people. Right. You know, like Sean Hannity and Bill O'Reilly yeah. and all that stuff. It's like, I, I grew up in Utah, so it's like, that was mm-hmm. all I ever really had to hear. And so it's like, when you've only got, like, a little blue dot in that deep red state, it's... Yeah. It, 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 it makes you a little bit more keen to like, no, I need to understand this. I need right. to. And I, I think, I mean, to kind of wrap this around as we kind of get yeah. both, both <laughs> of us could go forever with, yeah. with politics. But I mean, both of us have been able to kind of wrap it around to to comedy and to writing. And I mean, that's what spawned me even being able to really get moved to Los Angeles was yeah. writing political satire. And uh-huh. I didn't realize that, oh, wait, I can do that and actually get paid for it. And. Yeah. People find it funny and right. people when people get upset about what I write, it's even funnier to me. Mm-hmm. <laughs> yeah. No, I think being able to the other thing too, I think, is that being aware of all of these things, you know, a lot of people talk about, you know, the PC police and yeah. da na na. But it's like, you know, if you're aware of all of these things and the shades of gray in life and, and you don't you genuinely don't want to offend someone like I just think we're raising the bar of the quality of 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 comedy and and that kind of thing. Like I don't think, yeah, I don't know. I think it's it, it, more information is only helpful for in yeah. everything, in every endeavor, and and even if it's not directly related to your line of work, I think being informed and intellectually curious is is an important quality to have, and that we should be cultivating in everybody instead of just kind of like rote. This is how you should do life this is what you should think this is what you should believe yeah, there, there's no blueprint to really just being able to walk through life i mean yeah. short of having just having a roof over your head and and being able to earn a living right other that, than that yeah that's just completely open to interpretation of how you go about that and right yeah yeah it's it, it, it's just funny to see the avenues that people that people pick mm-hmm. but i'm gonna have to go back through and watch that documentary though because i'd my father-in-law before he passed away. So, I mean, he, he was an old, old man. Mm-hmm. Like my, my wife was the baby. And okay. I mean, when I first met him, I thought it was her grandpa. Oh, okay. Like okay. E- even our wedding. A lot pho- of kids in the family. Yes. Okay. E- even, even our wedding photographer had actually said like they had all the parents, or, like they were taking pictures of the parents and grandparents. And then they're like, all right, now just the parents. Mm-hmm. And like she's like, no, sir, just the parents. And somebody had to lean over and be like, that is her 
that's her dad. That's her dad, yeah. <laughs> and yeah. We, we found out, like, I, I, I knew that he wasn't necessarily fond of me. Mm-hmm. And it might have been from, from like, when From we comedy got in, and stuff? or Just in general. Okay. Because I wasn't the typical, I mean, it was a very Mormon family. Yeah. And to be like, yeah, I'm not a return missionary. Yeah, I'm not all of these things mm-hmm. that you expect me to be the cookie cutter. Right image of and mm-hmm. and so to to kind of so get didn't do that a mission? no okay so to to kind of get um get into that realm and have them kind of look at it mm-hmm. and be like you know he he's he's not what we expect right and even down to like when we got engaged her mom was like oh did you ask her dad for permission it's like why the fuck would i ask him for permission he, yeah. she's not his property yeah and like i think they were kind of taken back that i would be like no. Yeah. Like I don't. I don't need to ask somebody's permission. Mm-hmm. Like this isn't the 1920s. It's not going to be. Right. That, that's not the way it's going to be about. And she didn't even really have a relationship with him because right. her parents had been divorced. For, oh, okay. So it's like I mean, she would go up and see. Oh, him interesting. Plenty of times. That it would be so. So it wasn't yeah. even like they were super close or anything right, like right. that. So I was like, no, like. Right. She doesn't live with them. Like there's not this type of relationship that yeah. I even felt the need to be like. Can I have your permit? Like, yeah. no, it was just yeah. stupid. Uh-huh. And I think that may have upset them. May, yeah. may, may have upset it a little bit, mm-hmm. but he always seemed at least cordial to me. Okay. And so, but. I think my dad would be so weirded out <laughs> if a guy, especially a guy I was yeah. dating, just because. Yeah. <laughs> You're like, okay, whatever. <laughs> on, on, his de- on his deathbed, though, we basically found out that he had hated me because I was liberal. Oh, okay. Yeah, I was like, all right, I'm, yeah, I'm cool sense. with that. Yeah. Like, I'm totally fine with that. <laughs> yeah. Like, you're not going to hurt my feelings over right. this. It's, so, but I, 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 sh- I should revert back. I shouldn't say I didn't go on a mission uh-huh. because I was raised Mormon. I went out for a couple months on a mission oh, and okay. realized this is bullshit. Not for me, yeah. And where were ran, you? I went to Minnesota. Okay, okay. Well, so don't blame me for coming up with that. Yeah. So it, it was <laughs> one of those things where I immediately was, I was like, this is not. Yeah. This is not right. Yeah. So no offense to anybody that listens that is Mormon. I mean, hey, to each their own. Yeah. But for well, me, I was you. just I mean, like. It's hard to step out of, you know, what's yeah. expected. And especially if it's a culture you're raised in. I mean, that's a. And it, it took. I had, I had called because when, when Mormon missionaries go out, they have a, a mission president that's over all of that area. Okay. And I had called my mission president and was like, I've actually never even talked about this on here, surprisingly. But I called him up and was just like, look, I'm not doing this. I'm Wow. This this is not. How old were you? I was 19. Okay. Wow. And I was just like, this is not, this is not happening for me. And they, at one point, so they have different tiers of leadership. Okay. And so there, there's some that are only like a year older that are like the assistants to the president. Oh, okay. Okay. So, and so at so first they like came over and they separated the, the mission companion I had. And with one of the assistants and left another one just at the apartment with me while the other two just went out. Okay. And he sat there and grilled me for like three hours. And in my head, I'm I'm this kid who loves punk rock and is all about fuck the establishment. That's Uh just kind of like you sitting here trying to tell me why my thought process is wrong is just pushing me. Further away. Further away because there's no right or wrong in this. It's simply. What, what kind of stuff was he asking you about? Like, how did you come to the conclusion? Or? Yeah. Why, why yeah. would you think this? Why do, you, why do you think that life at home would be better? Oh, okay. And I was like, because things at home are what I want to be doing. This is not what I want to be doing. Uh-huh. 
And it got to the point that, like, even after three hours, like, I had not budged. And right. then the I talked to the mission president, and he was just like, I'll never forget it, because he sat down across from me. Mm-hmm. And he was all about, you show people stuff in the scriptures and in the Bible mm-hmm. and the Book of Mormon. And how old was the mi- mission president? In his 50s. Okay, so he was, like, yeah. grown up. And I'll never forget him looking me in the eye and saying, if you choose to go home, you've lost your salvation. And I smirked at him, and I just said, you show me that in writing, or I'll take the next flight home. Mm-hmm. And I flew home 48 hours later. <laughs> wow, good for you. That's hard. That's really hard. Yeah. And I, I I, didn't even end up living at home. Like I called one of my friends who I knew his mom would let me rent a room. Oh, okay. And because my parents, parents had told me. Yeah, they told yeah. me I couldn't live at home. Yeah. Which they have since said, oh, we never said that. And I actually, yeah. <laughs> I actually found letters. Yeah. Like oh, just a couple of years ago, I found these letters from, you know, 10 years ago yeah. that I was like, oh, I've got it in writing, yeah. which I've never even shown it to him. Yeah. But it's one of those that it's just like, yeah, if I want to bring it up you again. Did, I've yeah. got it in. Yeah. I've wow. got it in writing. But that's that's incredible. I mean, that's it's hard to go through a crisis of faith that young. And, and also it's impressive that you had the, you know, the fortitude to stand up to that kind of a structure yeah, and, and a system. And it, it still was a systematic battle for another several years years because i mean yeah it was everything i had just been yeah raised in and i was like am i am i really am i really rejecting everything is the rest of your family still a member Uh active okay yeah they're they're all still active mormon but they unlike many I, i think one of the things that a lot of people worry about is that they're mm-hmm. going to be rejected from their families because it yes. is overwhelmingly what happens right luckily my family's been totally cool and that's good that's and good. for the most part my wife's family yeah is too mm-hmm. so but like you you had told me to go see um the the latter-day jew that we had at, at meltdown i know i didn't get to see and it, it was did you see so, it so good oh good so but it was kind of funny to sit back and be like nope i get everything you're, yeah. you're saying here I yeah like it. <laughs> yeah no it's hard i mean especially when there's like a a a big religious influence. I mean, I think it's hard to go against any kind of family dynamic that's in place, nuclear family dynamic that's in place. But it's um, especially when there's that big of an influence, an outside influence, yeah. because it's not just you, your family are turning their, your back on. That's yeah, that's that's tough. But it's good that they're supportive and everything. Yeah, understanding. supportive to a degree. Right. <laughs> yeah. 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 So they, they, they still, my brother had told limits. me. Yeah, it's like my family. Yeah. supportive to a degree. <laughs> my, my brother had told me that at one point, like my dad would say to my brother and his wife, they would just be like, yeah, we're just, we're just so worried about Tim. And they, <laughs> my brother finally had to be like, he is just fine. Yeah. Like, he's doing quite well. You Are they worried about worry. like you in the afterlife? I have like no eternal idea. Darkness? I just, is I think, I think that's some of it. Yeah. Yeah. It's just like, it's just, it's comical to me. Like, I, I yeah. just. I, I think too that they anytime I make joke about jokes about religion anything like they they always like oh you've got to be careful with that I'm like I don't give a shit mm-hmm. like it's what one of the satire articles I have on Funny or Die is is called the five reasons why we the Christian Republicans kicked Jesus out of Christianity yeah <laughs> and I upset a lot of religious people that's with funny that. though and I'm just like what are you upset about like. That's actually very funny. Uh, I was like, it's just all wait, satire. just a couple more years in LA, you'll be like a crystal healing <laughs> Buddhist like me. I live so close to the Scientology building that oh. you know who knows. We got to go to that open mic. I don't want to go alone. 
Wait, which open mic? They, the Celebrity Center has a monthly open mic the first Tuesday of every month. Wait, what? It's totally free, and it's a sign-up deal. So as long as you sign up, sign-ups are from 7 to 7.30. It goes 7.30 to 10, drug-free, alcohol-free, refreshments served. Apparently, they're good. Um, and it's an, it's an oh, you, can, you get three to six minutes or one to two songs. So it's a, like, you can do a story, oh. you can do stand-up. Um, and I really want to go, but I'm a little nervous about going by myself. I, so if you ever want to go, I, I am it's right down. there on the Frank, on yeah. Franklin, the one right there, yeah, yeah, right by next UCB. to UCB. Yeah, 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 yeah. I I am down just for the experience. The experience, of this. exactly. I know. I went in the Celebrity Center. I got like a mini tour when I was in college. Yeah. When Tom Hanks was jumping on the couch, and I was sitting in traffic. Tom, one Tom day. Cruise. Tom Cruise. Yeah. yeah. Let's, let's, <laughs> Sorry, Tom get, Hanks. Let's not get the. <laughs> no. Let's not get that rumor mill going. <laughs> no, 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 no. Yeah, Tom <laughs> Tom Cruise was jumping on the couch. Yeah, and I was stuck in traffic on Franklin. And um, driving back to USC and was like right by the Celebrity Center. And I was like, you know what? I'm going to do it. And so I drove in and I went in there and I was like, I'm, I'm just, I'm really, I'm going through a lot right now. I'm really lost. I wanted to talk to someone. Like I'm really good at like making myself look like a great target for a call <laughs> because I'm so <laughs> curious. I know exactly what they want to hear. I'm like, I know exactly what they want to hear. And it's genuine because I have a lot of fucked up shit in my background. So it's like, I'm, I'm a good, I know how to play to their stuff. So I got this like full tour. I saw like the downtown labyrinth, downtown, downstairs, basement, like these stone tunnels. And they were like the saunas where people were on treadmills sweating out all their toxins like full black mirror episode totally yeah and then they like took me up into one of the tower turret things because that building is so cool yeah. that building is beautiful. it is a really cool building and it was i love all those old buildings in hollywood that were like originally there apartments for like, actresses yeah. and stuff like that they're so cool so they um oh and the people there that they had like walking around were so pretty like they bring you the prettiest people so there was like this really cute sexy guy and he was so They're nice just West and friendly robots oh my god totally <laughs> totally and then the woman that they brought to like close the deal with me was like this beautiful woman and she was so nice and especially back then in college i was like still like dealing with all of my insecurities from high school where i wasn't the popular girl and so it was like I was like, oh, my gosh, do you think we could be friends? And she was like, of course. <laughs> and they just, they kept asking me for money. And they kept going lower and lower and lower. And I was like, I'm a, I'm a college student. I don't have any money. I don't have any money. And so I thankfully never parted with any money. But um, I, uh, it was a great experience. And I've always wanted to go back. <laughs> <laughs> see, I think, they, I think they would see the cynicism in me immediately. I, I, I just reek of it so often. Yeah. That I don't, I don't think I'd be able to make it ten minutes into their tour before I'd like, be like, "So where's the spaceship ride?" Yeah, like when do I get to go on that? Uh-huh. <laughs> the thing that sucks so bad is like, I see they were all so nice, and I have always this is why I'm so glad I found Nerdist and it's not a cult because it's like <laughs> I just was like I really do want a group of friends, but I just can't be have my like our common interest be this bullshit. Like, yeah, I just. For, for, for the record, I w- we were covering Pasadena Comic-Con a few weeks ago, mm-hmm. and they had their own booth there selling Dianetics. And I was just like, 
all right, if anybody ever needed proof that this is just a sci-fi book and yeah. not a religion, yeah. it's at Comic-Con. Yeah. Well, the funniest thing was the first time they... Oh, my gosh. Your, so, your cat's just like melting into me, rubbing, rubbing her head right she's now. She's like, you're recording something and I'm not involved. Did you hear her snoring before? She made yeah. herself do that because she wanted to be on, on recording. Oh, my God. She's such a diva. No, the first time I ever was stopped by a Scientologist person was on... Hollywood Boulevard with my best friend from USC, Chris, and they were like showing us the Dianetics book and they open up the paperback and they point to a quote from John Travolta and they were like, aren't you impressed? And we were like, <laughs> You're th- what? Okay, the guy from Phenomenon? <laughs> Like, I mean, if we're talking maybe like Greece, you know, I'm yeah, maybe a little yeah, impressed, but. Yeah. <laughs> Sarah and Beaver, yeah, but he's made some weird choices. Have you seen his hair? Yeah. Like, <laughs> yeah. So, no, it's just, there's, it's very, it's fun. It's funny and it's sad because yeah. there's obviously a lot of people who are stuck. I mean, you know, those apartment buildings all there on Bronson are all the Sea Org people and the windows are drawn all the time. Yeah. I always want to, like, like walk down that street with a bullhorn shouting like free yourselves <laughs> just, just pull some like north korea type yeah, of stuff yeah yeah because it's like oh yeah i just feel bad it's hard cults yeah. it's a it's a rough it's a it's, rough go if, if you've People never if you've never watched going clear on hbo yeah it's good it's, it's really when, good. when we watch it's good too when we watched that at sundance that when it premiered all mm-hmm. like holy fuck like mm-hmm. and especially watching it in utah too we're like yeah yeah, we, we, yeah, we get it. I'd, I'd pissed off one of my friends at one point when I told him that Scientology was just sci-fi Mormonism. Yeah. And he was just like, that's such a... And then like a couple of years later, he's like, yeah, you were spot on. Yeah, <laughs> yeah I know. Well, well, welcome to the dark side. Yeah. Come, come on over. <laughs> I loved Big Love. Yeah. R.I.P. Bill Paxton. <laughs> oh, my God. But Big Love was yeah. so good. It, it really was. It, mm-hmm. was a, it was a phenomenal show. Yeah. And honestly, I got to say, I love the Sister Wives, too. Like if all the Mormons were as open as them, did you you know what I'm talking about? Yeah. The people they're like they they live in my brother in law's like neighborhood in Vegas. In that, oh no no the ones the that old, the the original house. show that yeah. they did yeah, yeah. was well, in they had Lehigh. To leave U- yeah they had yeah. to leave Utah though and go to Vegas. They live in Vegas now. Yeah yeah, but they are very they're they're very they're very nice. They're good people and they're very yeah. open about their kids. And actually one of the, the daughters came out as gay and it like, I sobbed. they were so supportive. They were so wonderful. Like it was just a very, I was like, you know what you guys, you know, I don't get it, but that works for you. Yeah. Yeah. It's funny. I was just talking to, to Kimmy, one of our house managers over at, oh, at I love her. about this just last night because mm-hmm. she, one of the shows oh, yeah, that they her show on TLC. Yeah. Yes. She, she had worked on one of the shows mm-hmm. on TLC that they, uh, yep. that they did with that. And she actually uh, was stuck casting, in Provo yeah. casting. Yeah, and, uh, yeah, yeah. and I was like, man, of all the parts you had to be stuck in. I know. And it's like, yeah, hey, I'll shit on Provo on this podcast. Yeah. I don't care. <laughs> fuck you, Provo. <laughs> oh, man. I spent my time down there. I can say yeah. fuck you to Provo. <laughs> There are many parts of Utah that are beautiful, though. I've driven through it. Yeah, it, it's, yeah. it's an incredibly gorgeous state, mm-hmm. and uh, an o- overwhelmingly, I mean, Salt Lake City is a phenomenal city. Yeah, yeah. So I, I have my many issues with it, but overall, sure, sure. overall, yeah, I mean, it's the people place. in Salt Lake are fantastic. Yeah, that's cool. So, but I mean, we, we, we should probably get to, I mean, one of the biggest things that we, we really need to even talk about here is your show yes, on Tuesday. absolutely, totally, the so, show. So uh, all the dates I've met on the internet. All the crazy dates the crazy I've met dates, on the internet. Yeah. Yes. So t- tell tell me how this all came about because yeah. I love the premise. It mm-hmm. is. I mean, the first time you even told me about it, 
I was I was like, yes, yeah, this is this sounds amazing. Yeah. <laughs> So um, I have, I've, I love the storytelling world. So I love the Risk podcast. Um, oh, hang on a second. Something cut. Oh. I think I, did I turn myself yep, off? Yep, you turned yourself off. Okay, all right. I'm back <laughs> on. Okay. So I, this came about, I love the storytelling world. I love Risk. I've told a story on Risk before, and hopefully in April again. Um, and The Moth is a lot of fun. And I have a good friend, my co-host, Lachelle. Um, we kind of bonded when we met a couple years ago over our love of storytelling. And when I came back to town last, uh, last summer, we were hanging out and talking and she was like, we should put together a show that's an all female lineup. And it's all about, it's a storytelling show all about crazy online dating stories. And, um, because between the two of us, so she's, um, she's a divorced single mom and I've never been married. I've only ever had one real relationship it's oh, very sad. <laughs> um, and so between the two of us, we've got a lot of different stories that kind of run the gamut. And we figured, of course, all women who are dating yeah. have these kinds of online dating stories. So especially in today's dating world and especially in L.A., yeah. you know, especially in a place like L.A. So. Um, so, yeah, we put together this show that is going to every every month will be a. Um, we'll have a curated lineup, so we'll have four booked storytellers. Lachelle and I will get to tell some stories, and then we're also going to have one lottery spot every show for um, an audience member who wants to tell one of their own stories. So it's kind of a hybrid of the moth story slam and a curated show, and we're hoping it's going to be a lot of fun. I know it'll be a lot of fun. Yeah, I, I, I'm so incredibly excited to see it, just to hear some of these stories, because, I mean, I, I, I know the approach that you guys are taking is going mm -hmm. to make it that it's just going to be different than how somebody might make a Twitter rant or a Facebook rant. Right. And I look forward to hearing some of these just insane stories that, that people have. Yeah. And the other cool thing I think about doing it in this sort of, like you're saying, instead of a Twitter rant or a Facebook rant, um, in, in this sort of venue and context of a, a story is you hear people's, thought processes and you hear sort of people's motivations and you get so much more of the nuance behind why people make different decisions when they're going on dates or they're going out with people or why they give someone a chance or why they wouldn't or you know those things and I think especially in the last the kind of the shifting waters of what everybody's talking about in culture. It's yeah. just any anything else that can add to that understanding of, you know, you know, why people act the way they do, why women do things they do, why they end up with certain ideas about men sometimes <laughs> <laughs> you know. So but the other thing too is a lot we're hoping a lot of these stories are gonna be a lot of fun and funny. because um, that's the thing, like by and large most of dating is fun and funny and you just kinda have to roll with it. Exactly. Um so, so yeah, so I think it'll be good. What was there any particular story that you had in mind immediately that you aren't telling that you could that you could even divulge now? Oh, let me think. Well, there is a st I um gosh, so I've been so I mentioned earlier that uh, my dad worked for IBM. Yeah. So I have been using the internet since I was six years old, um, and so I have actually been meeting people online since 
around seven, eight years old. Um, and it wasn't ever for dating. I have, um, yeah. <laughs> I, would, I would hope not. No, 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 no. Somewhere out there, Roman Polanski is just like, yeah. Caroline, it's Roman. <laughs> no, you know what's funny is I've actually, I've been very fortunate in that, or I was as a kid. I was very fortunate as a kid yeah. with, with those um, kinds of experiences. I can tell a very funny story that I probably will never tell on the show. But I, uh, so I used to go in chat rooms when I was like nine or 10. And part of the reason I was drawn to the internet for me, for meeting people and making friends was because I was regularly the new kid. Yeah. And when you're the new kid, it's, it takes, sometimes it takes a full school year. Sometimes I would move in the middle of the school year. So like the school year would go by and I still hadn't really made any friends. Um, and so the internet people though are always there. So I'm, gosh, maybe I'm like, sixth grade, around fifth or sixth grade, and I'm in a chat room, and um, a guy says, <laughs> can, okay, I can say something a little bit yeah. inappropriate. Okay, so a guy says, I'm sitting here with a nice, I'm sitting here in a bathrobe with a nice hot cock. Does anybody want to talk? And I think, why on earth do you have a rooster near your computer? <laughs> And so I message him that. <laughs> and because all I could think was like, what a mess. Like, I'm not even allowed to have soda near the computer. This, this guy's, guy's got a fucking rooster. rooster. <laughs> and so I just message him, what, what are you doing with a rooster near your computer? And he's, he's like, what? And I said, you said you had a rooster by the computer, a hot rooster. And he was like, um, excuse me? And so then I don't remember anything after that. So I must have been like, well, he's just not cooperating with me. He's not explaining himself <laughs> and just gone on. And then like 10 years go by and I finally know what that word also means. Yeah. And I'm like, what must he have been thinking <laughs> to receive that? What a weird troll. What a weird troll. I, I, w I wonder if he would even like... Had you been like, I'm only in sixth grade. I know. Like, yeah. He would have just been like, oh, my God, scrub my computer. What yeah. just happened? <laughs> what just happened to me? Yeah. So, um, so, yeah. And I also was a very early catfish because I, for some reason I knew, when I was talking to people who were like 15, 16, 17, I would always say I was like 14 or 15. And I had talked to this one person for months and then uh, finally told him I was like nine and he stopped talking to me and I was so upset. But then, but looking back on that, I'm like, wow, that's nice. Yeah. <laughs> you know, like how lucky was I? So that I just happened to meet these people who were like, oh my God, child, get away from me. <laughs> I, I, I had had that whole catfishing thing kind of kind of happen once. One of the people, like, I actually ended up meeting her. Mm. And she wasn't, like, a terrible human being, but she was not who she... Who she said she was. Who she said she yeah. was by any means, shape, or form. Yeah. Like, totally bogus. And it actually took the person whose picture she had stolen reaching out to be like, hey... I, I saw the, and this was back in the MySpace days. Oh wow! Okay. Where this person was like, "Hey, she was ahead of her time." I, uh, I I saw that you know you're in their top eight, uh -huh. and I just wanted to reach out to you and tell you you know this is this is not who this is. That's, like we're yeah. trying to get them to take down my pictures and wow, and so I confronted them about it, and they were just somebody who they weren't an ugly person or anything. Uh -huh. They were a self-conscious person it's and scary, wanted yeah. to be yeah. this other just gorgeous girl. And yeah. 
and, and so it it wasn't it was an interesting situation nonetheless. But it was still one of those where like I, I didn't want to approach it to just be like, what the fuck is wrong with you? Like instead, I was like, right. why why would you just not be upfront honest. and honest? Like I'm not I'm not that kind of person that's going mm-hmm. to be like. Well, that's the thing that is weird about online dating. Like catfishing, I think is it's it's there i feel like in many instances there's no intent to ever meet when you're catfishing someone but with online dating what's astounding to me is how many people will deceive others with their pictures with every intention to meet that person immediately like what do you think is going to happen and also it's not about it's about someone wants to make sure they're gonna they know who they're meeting you know like it's and and that you're honest about that stuff about what you look like and yeah, I mean it's um, it's always we- that's always a weird thing when you meet someone and you're like, oh, you are like twenty two years older than your pictures portray you as. <laughs> What's <laughs> going on here? Because then you're like, you're immediately all your, especially as a woman, all your red flags are up, right? And you're just like, well, what else are you gonna lie about? Like you're clearly insecure, and insecurity is unsexy. Full stop. Right. You know. So it's just, um, it's weird. Insecurity is a is a hard thing. I have definitely dealt with it a lot of my life. But it's, um, you know, it's one of those things that I just t- have always taken a fake it till you make it approach because everyone prefers to hang around with coolly confident people. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> you know, nobody likes a sad sack. Yeah, it's it, it really is just a weird a weird climate. I mean, especially now with Tinder, where it is yeah. like how did the you full meet your intent. wife? Old we, ended, wife? we ended up working together. Oh, okay. So yeah, we we didn't have the whole the whole Tinder that. and yeah. all of that. So, but even when we were working together, we actually were messaging through MySpace. And I look at it now, and I was like, man, I was such a tool. Yeah. <laughs> because like we were talking nervous, about too nervous. Well, we were talking about bands and yeah. stuff that she liked and I was actually work I was managing bands and uh-huh. stuff at the time and I was like oh yeah I've actually worked with these guys we sh- like I was trying to use that as a pickup line right. I was like what the fuck is wrong with like I look at it now the and early I'm just flirting like, yeah yeah it's like I, I seriously tried to use that and it was such a douchey tactic yeah <laughs> so but you I, know at, at least she knew what she was in for in right. that regard because now she's used to just like yeah. <laughs> meeting a lot of those people and right but yeah it's like at least to a degree she knew what she was getting yeah <laughs> <But> no <laughs> it's it's i think it's uh it's especially when you're young you know it's it's hard when you're young getting your footing and finding your voice and being confident and stuff like that and um so it's interesting to Dating in your early 30s in L.A. Yeah. And, um, yeah, it's all it's all pretty crazy. And uh, I met so I've done so. So, OK, so this is what I was saying. I've been on the Internet for a very long time. So I have met people through a wide variety of websites. Um, I met my first boyfriend through Craigslist. Um, and he wasn't a killer. He wasn't a killer. No, he was not. Um, he was he was kind of a milk toast to be honest he was he was pretty benign so i got very see i got lucky again um the universe just wants me to stay alive i guess yeah <laughs> um but i yeah i've met some really interesting people i also went um so a few years back i was in a very like 
dramatically low space with regard to my dating life. And I was like, well, nobody's ever going to love me. And I had gone through this period where um, I was getting hit on by a lot of married guys. And it was really pissing me off because yeah. I was like, you already have what I'm looking for. Like, go leave me alone. Like, right. that's such an asshole thing to do. So um, I, in a moment of drama was like well i guess if that's all i'm ever gonna get i should go on ashley madison <laughs> oh no <laughs> and this was like oh my gosh this was probably like a year before it got hacked and so when it got hacked i thought it was so funny that everybody was like well there were no real women on there anyway i was a real woman on there <laughs> i was 100 percent a real woman on there um and i met a guy through there and it was so funny because i in my, my reasoning in my head was that, um, well, at least I know it's never going to go anywhere. Oh, and that was the other thing. I was meet, I've, I was going, like, dating these guys for weeks on end and or, like, a couple people long distance for, like, staying in touch and da-da-da. And then they'd be like, oh, no, I didn't, I didn't want anything. And I'm like, what the fuck? So I was just – I felt – again, it was like I felt like I was being let on and, like, every – or right. deceived about people's intentions and that kind of thing. Um and so I was like, well, at least they can't deceive me. Like, I know when I'm, what I'm yeah, getting. Yeah, you know exactly what you're getting. When I'm going to it. Um, and it was so funny because it was such, sitting there, he just seemed so pathetic. It was such a turnoff. And I was like, even if I was, I, like, I couldn't. I'm not attracted to you at all. Like, just man up. Get out of your fucking yeah. marriage. This is ridiculous. So it was funny because I just ended up, like, grilling the guy for three hours. <laughs> <laughs> and he and he kind of took it. He just, like, took it. And he was very, he was like, I know, you're right. I know. I know. I just, I can't. I feel really bad. <laughs> it was so weird. It was just. Probably, you know, you, prob you possibly saved his marriage because he probably went back. Maybe. It was just like, oh, I'm a little bit. <laughs> I hope so. I mean, I hope so. Like, it was just so weird, too. And it was also, I was like, he was like 36 or something. And I was like, you're not. Your life's not over. Like, yeah. let her free and you be free. And, like, this is ridiculous. Like, I just don't – I I feel like I've been forced to reinvent myself so many times in life. And I feel like I have, I have taken horrible, like, scary risks before um, that feel like jumping off a cliff. And so I just get very – and I get how scary it is, but I just get very frustrated when people are miserable and won't take a big leap to just get out of that misery. Like, yeah. if there's something you can do, do it. Like, like you know, you just never know what could happen. Yeah, it's what's around to, the to think that you're going to hurt somebody else in a situation like that. You're hard. just you're, it's hard, but you're also being selfish mm -hmm. to both to, to them because you're hurting them without deliberately hurting them. Right. So whether they know they're being hurt or not, yeah. you're, you're still doing it. Yeah. And so it just becomes more selfish to not just totally. be able to be like, look, this has to, th this is what has, has to, to be change. done. Yeah. Like, how is the right answer having an affair? You know? Yeah. Like, how is having an affair better than, like, going through the embarrassment of a divorce? Right. You know? like Because then, it, then you just come across, like, a pile of shit in yeah, the divorce. Yeah. Yeah. So when it hits the fan, it's like, oh, yeah, they were cheating on me, like, this and exactly. that. It's like, and people instead of always just saying, find out. Yeah, they always find out. And, yeah. and, and instead of just being like, you know what? We're not happy. This needs right. to... It's a lot more respectable, and usually both parties. I mean, I've had a few friends get divorced where it was just like, 
yeah, we just decided it wa- it wasn't working. Yeah. And like some of them had, you know, couple kids. Yeah. And they co-parent very, very well That's because good. it was just a, you know what, this isn't working. Th- this just isn't working. We mm-hmm. should both be able to be happy. And that was the thing. The guy didn't have any kids. It's one thing I can understand you not wanting to disrupt your kids environment. Right. I still think in certain cases it's. You know, kids shouldn't grow up in a volatile, right. screaming environment. But, yeah, like, people – I and that's the thing that's so weird is that, like, it, it's, it is tough to have hard conversations with people you love. It's hard to say, you've hurt me, I feel like you're failing me, or I feel like I've been failed, or I'm, I'm hurt, or I'm angry, or this isn't working, I'm not happy. But I don't understand when – like, why let yourself live in misery? Like, why – allow that kind of oh. it's just a contentious environment yeah why put why put yourself through that you know this is it's one life you know we're all i always come back to this point but it's like you know you it's quick it's quick and you're gonna die enjoy it like do yeah. what you want to do enjoy it have fun yeah li- live the life you want to live while you've got the time to live it exactly yeah yeah and, and don't have stupid affairs on the internet <laughs> jesus <laughs> Especially not with, like, nice single people like me, for heaven's exactly. sake. You know? like Because uh, you might just get turned into a joke for a show anyway. Right? <laughs> yeah, totally. A story for sure. Yes. Oh, my goodness. You absolutely will. Yeah. that's. There, it's amazing to me how many married guys are on dating apps. It really is. I've, I've, I've heard that with everyone. And, and it's like, I mean, luckily, I'm very happily married. And yeah. my wife and I, people are always shocked that, like, we don't fight or anything. And it's yeah. just like. When we first got married, they they were like, "Well, you need to go like talk with the bishop, and like they'll give yeah. you like the pre wedding talk mm-hmm, and that." Mm-hmm. And I'll never forget sitting down across from him, and he was like, "Well, so you guys like I'm just gonna I'm just gonna warn you like you guys are gonna fight." Yeah. And both of us were like, mm, "I mean, we have some disagreements, but we're both pretty level headed. Like, right. if it's not gonna matter in ten minutes or in an hour or tomorrow, who the fuck cares?" Yeah. Like. That's not, that's just not the people we are. Right, right. And he was just, oh, no, you, you'll see. And we're like, no, we, we won't. And yeah. Yeah, we haven't. Like, right, it's, yeah. It's I mean, there's always like an like, adjustment, but I don't think it's a yeah. foregone conclusion that you're going to fight and have horrible ways of interacting. Yeah. Like, you know? It, it's just a matter of, and like, I, nothing, just be respectful. nothing irks me more than when I hear a, a husband or a wife say, oh, I need to, let, let me ask their permission. Yeah. And it's just like, Oh, like we've never had to ask each other's permission yeah. on on anything, right? Right. And it's just like, but you yeah. probably naturally operate as a team anyway, yeah. and so that's why you don't need to. Yeah, and yeah. And, and we just simply tell each other, each other, like, yeah, exactly. You tell like, each hey, other I've got to go do this. Like, yeah. I'm 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 gonna go do this. Okay, cool. Like, and yeah. we, we keep our schedules. And you can up. be and you can be independent people. Yeah, you can be your own people without yeah being yeah. codependent. Yeah, that's exact, and that's yeah. exactly how both of us are. We just kind of. We go about our our days and do what we need to do, and yeah, yeah, and and, and it's something that yeah, a lot of people kind of look at it sometimes, just like oh, I don't know how you guys do that, and we're like, because a lot of the things that people are so tedious about don't matter, yeah, and yeah. It, and it makes it it makes it so much easier to. Well, and a lot of people w- aren't willing to look at themselves or look at like where look at their role in things, yeah. or you know. Yeah, so. I mean, l- luck- luckily, and I've said it on here before. Like when I told my wife, like, yeah, I'm not, I'm not going to continue on in business school. I think I'm going to go into entertainment mm-hmm. for good. Mm-hmm. Most most women, especially in Utah, would have been like, "Cool, here's your divorce papers." Yeah. 
I need I need somebody who's really going to provide. Mm-hmm. And and like not a, like they would have wanted the doctor, the dentist, the lawyer. Right. Like that's and and that's again that's totally fine. Like yeah. if that's that's what you want, go get it. Mm-hmm. But luckily, my wife immediately was like, "No, I know that you can do that. Like that's mm-hmm. not. Yeah. I don't have any doubt. Right. Right. And I was like, "All right, like this is. Yeah. This is. I this mean, that's the good. thing. I think people <laughs> people aren't. I think a lot of guys too who aren't. Uh, who aren't secure in who they are as as creative types um, think that a certain kind of woman will sort of validate their existence, not realizing that that certain kind of woman expects that stability and that lawyer and that kind of thing. And then all of a sudden when they're like, well, I'm going to, you know, not really make any money and, and try this, it's like they've kind of flipped the script. Right on on them, you know. So I think it's like people just have to be honest with themselves about who they are, what they want in life, and what they need from a partner. And knowing yourself is the fucking easiest thing to do. Jesus, yeah, it really you is. know. <laughs> so it's and and under and being in touch with your emotions and how you're feeling and yeah. So it just is. It's consistently amazing to me in dating how few people are well adjusted and (laughs) yeah able to be honest about about things yeah the married thing it's funny to me because guys always bitch about how there's a lot of um like hookers on dating apps like you know that's it's worse that there's so many married guys yeah like at least the hookers are single yeah (laughs) you know yeah at least they're single and they're just trying to make a living yeah they're available (laughs) they're available so i don't yeah it's hard. It's it's uh it's weird, but you know, I'm I try to stay optimistic. I try to stay optimistic about about finding love in life. You know? uh, I I th- I th- I think you do a good job of it and Thank you. I mean you're you're taking the good satirical approach and I think yeah. it's a, I think it's a good healthy approach to taking with it. Yeah, definitely. And it, you know, and being able to laugh about it and the thing I like about storytelling shows is that um they reinforce the truth that mm-hmm. nobody is alone. Right. You know, and we're not, as much as it feels like we're going through the shit alone, like, we're not. Yeah. And there are other people out there who have dealt with the same and worse and not as worse and, yeah. Yeah, and I mean, you, you mentioned Risk earlier that you, mm-hmm. that you were on, and I mean, that they were kind of one of the forefronts of the podcast yeah. that were like that, and like, Kevin Allison's been on the podcast, and... Yeah, I love him. And even talking to him and hearing how... Yeah, yeah, we have to shut out Beowulf. Yeah. <laughs> but, you know, just hearing how that show has changed people's lives through storytelling. Because they yeah. people all can relate. Definitely. So, and I, yeah, I, I, I absolutely love it. And I, I, I think it would be hilarious. And mark my words, I could see this happening. Is that this is how you're going to find somebody. Yeah. I, I could totally see this being really? somebody's oh going to come to your show. And That's they're going funny. to be like. I relate to this. Yeah. <laughs> and and that's going to be how it happens. Yeah. That I, would be I could, that I could I, totally see that. That we should put like a, a friendly wager on that cuz that would be pretty amazing. I didn't that didn't even cross my mind, but hey, that would be cool. Yeah, yeah you I, never I, know. I could totally see that happening. Yeah. Oh, wouldn't that be so cute? <laughs> and then we could write an indie rom-com about it. <laughs> and and then get and then get nominated for an Oscar. There you go. Shout out to Camille there and Emily go. there. Yes, absolutely. <laughs> absolutely. So, Caroline, it's been it's been a blast being able yes, to, to chat with you. Yes, this has been so yeah, fun. I'm, I'm glad Thank that we were much. able to squeeze this in. I know. So, cuz yeah. I think it became a panic all of a sudden for both of us last week and we're like oh my god this is next week like we have to 
We have to squeeze this in. <laughs> I know. Well, thank you so much for fitting it in. It's been a lot of fun. It's yeah, been a good conversation. And if anybody wants to follow you or the show on social media, where yes. can they where can they do that? On uh, we are on Twitter at all the crazy or no, we are on Twitter at crazy underscore dates. We are on Facebook at all the crazy dates and Instagram all the crazy dates. Perfect. So yeah, absolutely. And then nerdmeltla.com for tickets Tuesday at nine p.m. Yeah, and tickets are selling well, so people better yes, better get them definitely. Quickly. Yeah, so. super excited. Cool, cool. I will see you at Meltdown then. See you at Meltdown. Thank you.